joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Cedric, uh, as well as uh, everybody here attending today. So let's start maybe a bit with your background and journey that led you uh, to start your own company. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm a Montrealer um, and um, I started in the web here in Montreal, um, working for various agencies, um, you know, doing a lot of engineering at the time. And um, I actually was pretty good at doing flash programming, uh, which uh, led me to have a very, very successful blog um, and um, got opened the doors for a lot of uh, public speaking. And that public speaking led to uh, me um, going to San Francisco a lot, which basically landed me a job there as an engineer. So uh, I moved to San Francisco in 2005 and spent 10 years there uh, working uh, as an engineer first and then transitioning more into, um, you know, a, a UX slash front end slash back end type of thing where we were working on a bunch of products with big Bay Area clients. Uh, you know, we work with Palm on the release of their uh, uh, the Palm Prey, which at the time was supposed to be the iPhone killer. Uh, so a lot of hardware, software. It was fun times working with all kinds of clients there. And, uh, and that got me to transition to product management, which is this combination of user experience, business, and engineering. And I kind of got intrigued. I worked a lot with Adobe, uh, who had product managers, who basically I had friended during uh, my stint as a, as a speaker uh, during the on the Flash circuit. Um, and uh, they kind of showed me the ropes, and I started working as a product manager in startups there. And uh, 10 years in, when uh, the uh, child was, uh, Emily was about to be born, I, I got this opportunity to move to Montreal uh, and, uh, and have him closer to family. And uh, I thought that, why not? Um, so as I landed here in Montreal, I quickly realized that the startup scene was, was you know, pretty, pretty good, pretty mature. Uh, but there was this just lack of product management knowledge. And uh, so, um, you know, what I can bring from, uh, from what I learned in San Francisco, I thought would be beneficial. So I started mentoring into a lot of accelerators and quickly um, founded Public. And today we work with startups, uh, uh, scale-ups, and uh, small and medium organizations, helping them put product management into the core of their companies. And it's it's surprising how many companies uh, today don't don't understand what it is. And um, more than happy to be here today to talk about it. You're, you're mentoring and you're uh, involved in multiple startup accelerators now through their cohort, accompanying some of the entrepreneurs. Uh, what are some of the advices that you find yourself uh, giving a lot to these uh, to these entrepreneurs, to these startups that are looking to to take their business to the next level? Yeah, the first advice I usually give them uh, is that you know they became entrepreneurs because they didn't want people telling them what to do. So the first thing is that you can't basically expect um, um, I, I can't expect them to do everything I'm telling them to do. So you know every every advice, every piece of advice that that uh, I'm going to give, um, you know, should be taken with a grain of salt. Um, also, I've done a lot of mistakes in my life. So uh, what I'm saying isn't the correct thing uh, to do. Um, but, you know, if there is a way of, uh, of, of basically seeing the, the benefit of how their organization, their startup could benefit from, from, from my knowledge, so be it. But I usually just, just let them know that, you know, uh, you're an entrepreneur. Um, so don't do as I say and just kind of like make your own choices. Um, but if I can help, so be it. Uh, I also find that um, as as they get into product management, 
um, you know, there's, there's this misunderstanding of what it is. So a lot of the input that I have with them is really explaining um, what it is and what it isn't. You know, a lot of times they think it's project management and they do uh, explain that it, it is completely different. It's, it's a highly strategic function where you're trying to contribute to the growth of the organization, helping the organization get to that next financial milestone. And how you do it is by really working with the leadership team uh, um, you know, let it be the, um, you know, in, in some cases, small startups don't have the means to hire a product manager. So the CEO is actually doing that. Uh, but how, when do you know when it's, when it's too, you know, that you're overwhelmed, right? As a CEO, you get overwhelmed by um, financing, talking to VCs, uh, trying to hire new people, HR, legal, these, there's so many things going on. You can't listen to the customer anymore. You can't really understand the problems of the customer. So it's time to let go. And that's usually when you get to 10 to 12 customers. Uh, from a from a B two B perspective, and usually from a B two C perspective, when you when you, when you realize that you don't even you know like B two C means lots of people, lots of customers, right? And um, and if you can't really address their needs on a daily basis, then you shouldn't be playing the role of product manager. So that's where we help transition them and put in the right processes uh, in order to to help them and. Uh, and those CEOs, um, you know, need to acknowledge that they're they're not the the end all decision. They are a decision maker, but they're not all brilliant ideas can't come from them. I've met CEOs of, of scale ups who are overwhelmed because you know the company has been scaling through the CEO's ideas for years, and they just can't carry on. It's it's just the the mental burden is is a humongous. So they want to share it among a team of people who are responsible of of handling these these product features and releases and upcoming uh, innovations. But it can't always be on a CEO's shoulder. So we just talk about this a lot. This this ha- happens to be a topic that most product manager uh, most CEOs and founders are really interested about, um, and uh, and it tends to resonate with them. And have you been noticing that recently these startups are more prepared, are more aware of what, what, how to define a product roadmap, how to manage a product? And I find that across Canada, and I, I work with accelerators from Montreal, Toronto, as well as the rest of the country, and I can tell you that across Canada there is this misunderstanding of what product management is, so they come completely unprepared. Um, I think, I feel that it's... Uh, you know, as Canada has been accelerating its investments, its number of, of uh, accelerators and, and VCs have grown. And, you know, we have a very, very fertile ground for startups to grow. I think that um, they're, they're, I wouldn't say clueless, but it just happens not to be the subject that most accelerators want to uh, move forward. They do want it, but they don't, there's not enough people talking about it in Canada. So if you basically uh, bring in a bunch of mentors, uh, 50% are marketing uh, people and the other 50% are salespeople. Well, you know, and there's just one guy and I'm the, the only product guy. And this happens over and over again across all the accelerators that we work with. So I feel that there is just a, a there's a willingness of accelerators to inform their their founders that product is something they should be thinking about. Unfortunately, the ecosystem doesn't have enough people who are knowledgeable enough on this topic. <clears throat> um, so I think we we give so much. Uh, Bank Public, we give uh, a lot to these accelerators. We do a lot of workshops to prepare them for it. And I think all this giving ultimately is going to pay off. Uh, and if they can hear it from anybody and it's from us, even better. You know, it's 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 a great way to to prepare them.
Yeah, I'm gonna go to a question that I had maybe later on, and since you tapped into that subject, um, you've been vocal. Uh, you know, um, I read some of the articles that you wrote about the, the lack of product managers in Canada and that experience and that that talent. Um, why is it an issue in Canada? What what should be done in order to change that? Do you think? Well, I mean, I looked at like hiring uh, across international cities, and in San Francisco, for example, ten percent of the hires are product related hires. In New York City, it's about eleven percent. Uh, in Vancouver, it's about eight uh, percent, and it drops to below five percent or four percent in Montreal. Um, so there is this. Uh, overall misunderstanding of what products can contribute uh, to, to an organization when product management is perceived just as, as a project management function, which is you just need to deliver features on time and on budget, then that, you know, there is no real reason for, for anybody to hire a product manager because they don't see the benefit of it. Uh, the engineering team should be able to ship products on time. And if that's a problem, we'll bring in a project manager. So they don't really understand what the benefit of product is. And I think that uh, because there's this misconception or just, just the fact that nobody looks at San Francisco and says, what, it, what is it that makes these companies so successful? What makes Google and Apple and Amazon so successful? It's because they're a product-led organization. They understand the value of product management into their organization and they hire a product manager and they empower them to, to lead the roadmaps forward. And because that understanding isn't happening across Canadian startups, there's just this lack of product managers and uh, these companies will evolve and, and, and figure it out them by themselves mistakes along the way, which basically prevents them from going from, uh, you know, startup to scale up in, in, in a short amount of time because they're just confused and, uh, and they're trying to make up this function, let it be a COO or let it be something else. And, you know, all they need to do is just, uh, understand that there, that there is a reason why the Silicon Valley model works. And uh, in the heart of that Silicon Valley model is the product manager. And that's that's kind of a misunderstanding across Canadian cities at this point. I think Vancouver gets it though. Vancouver is the only city that gets it. And that's because of its proximity to Seattle. A lot of organizations like Microsoft and, uh, and uh, Amazon and uh, Silicon Valley firms have basically offices there and a lot of people have worked as product managers in those companies and when they go off starting their startup they actually um you know they know the, the benefit it does and they'll actually implement it but uh, we we don't have a lot of success stories of u.s firms from the from san francisco's having headquarters in montreal which which basically creates this lack of knowledge about it perfect and so what are some some solutions that we could have as a what should startups start? Should they start thinking from day one? Let's say from when they're developing their MVP, about uh, about hiring, about giving more attention to the product management, to the roadmap, product roadmap, or it it should be yeah. later on. Well, I think there's a responsibility on both ends. There's a startup themselves to educate them on on what is product management, where it needs to be. But I think the responsibility falls on VCs and accelerators who basically, if, if you're putting together an accelerator and, and the promise that you're making startups is that you're going to help them accelerate, right, to accelerate their business. And um, you basically bring in uh, advisors and mentors and coaches that are either marketing pros or sales pros. Then chances are that those organizations are going to be sales driven or marketing driven. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you got to realize that Montreal and Toronto uh, are two cities that basically have a huge percentage of, of companies that are consulting firms. 
right? Uh, Montreal has a lot of professionals who have, you know, are gone through the ranks and now are VPs, EVPs of those organizations. And they basically come in as advisors and all they know is how to deal and conduct business in a consulting firm type of scenario. So you get a lot of advice of how to close deals and how to basically go after more customers. I mean, footprint expansion is, is absolutely great. You want to increase your total addressable market whenever you're a startup. But if you do it through sales and your product isn't evolving, that creates a problem down the line. If, if you're doing it through marketing in order to grow, we're taught, we speak about growth a lot. Well, growth through marketing is great, but if your product isn't evolving fast enough, that also creates problems. And most of these organizations, when they get a lot of these advices from sales and, and marketing professionals, they, you know, they'll, they'll do the growth thing, they'll expand their footprint, they'll sell, they'll sell, their month-over-month -month revenue will increase. But ultimately, uh, what happens, and I see it with some of the organizations I'm working with, is that a lot of the features that those customers are wanting, let it be through sales-driven deals or let it be through, um, you know, pressures that some of the customers are doing uh, uh, through B2C type of situations, you know, that creates a lot of internal pressures. Somehow the engineering team isn't shipping fast enough. And the only solution that these startups can find is bring in project managers and do agile, but somehow it doesn't work. Uh, because the missing key is that they, they they don't have a product manager to put in a roadmap. There is no such concept of a roadmap. It's just basically evolving as the, the next sales client closes and requires features. So you're always chasing your tail, and that basically creates an environment where you're not learning. You're simply, or you're not doing what's best for your business. You're just trying to keep customers happy. That's not the way to run a business. I mean, customers always first, right? But ultimately, you can't run a business if you're only building features customers want. You got to build features that defend your business against duplicates and clones. And that means that you need to invest in things that don't make sense for the customer, but definitely going to increase your revenue stream down the line. And those are strategic decisions that need to be decisions. We've covered a bit uh, the part more related to startups. What about scale-ups then? The, so the startups that are that have raised or raising their series A, B, C, yeah. uh, the, the, the customers that you have, the clients that you have, what are the, the main challenges that you see them facing uh, when they bring you on board? Yeah, those challenges are usually sales driven. They've hired a big sales team, increased their footprint, are trying to go into different geographies or different markets. Um, and that sales team is bringing in a laundry list of items that needs to be improved to the product for them to close deals. Um, and because the company is um, trying to keep its its new investors happy, um, they're going at you know at a very very high speed, right? <clears throat> so uh, what what the sales team brings in is what I call blackmail. Uh, you know, customer wants something. If they don't get it, they will not sign. The sales team says yes, goes back to the engineering team. Engineering says it's impossible to build. It's going to take us three months. And the CEO says, well, do it because we're going to, we can't afford not to lose this deal. So a lot of the issues that we're seeing is, is organization that are uh, dealing with this type of sales led blackmail. The idea train uh, from, from the sales team is constantly coming in. No one's actually asking the questions, does this feature really add value to other customers? They're just trying to close deals. So that's the first problem I see. The other problem I see is enablement. Uh, because they're, they're working through from one deal to the next, uh, there is no such thing as a timeline or a release. 
things get released whenever they're done and they're never really done. So we don't have this concept of quarterly releases that you see in San Francisco in most startups or public companies usually have quarterly uh, releases. Uh, Apple always has uh, in the month of September big news for us and every quarter you'll actually see them releasing new features. Uh, there's no such concept. So it's, it's always the this question of when is it going to happen? The sales team is unhappy because the engineering team that said three months ago, we told the client three months ago, and now it's not delivered. So now we look like we can't basically close our deal. So that's the first problem. The second problem is enablement, which is all these new hires that you're bringing to the company, you need to train them on how the product actually behaves. All, uh, how, but because the product is in constant evolution and nobody has really documented what's being built, uh, you end up with this huge enablement problem where the marketing team cannot articulate through the website uh, what and through their campaigns what the, what the product really does. So you'll see this gap between what you see on the website and the product in itself. You also see it from a sales perspective. The sales team will be articulating what the product ought to do but not what it actually does as well. So now sales is actually selling a roadmap for in order to close more deals. And the engineering team is not even motivated in delivering on that roadmap. So who is really the product owner in all of this? It ends up that it's being driven by sales wants and needs and, uh, and this enablement for customer support to be able to support customers or customer success to be able to onboard new customers. All of these problems suddenly start coming out because nobody really knows what the product is or where it's heading. Uh, so this is where I come in and I'm like, well, you guys need a product management function. You need somebody to be able to clearly provide guidance on when things are going to be delivered and allows the marketing team to uh, really understand the value of every single feature that's being delivered. So this way it's, it's accurately represented on the website. Uh, so this marketing efforts can lead to more, uh, more, uh, more customers coming in. So more sales basically happening, more deals being closed. And ultimately, the sales team isn't over-promising. The sales team is actually working what's, with the, what the product can actually do. So this way, we don't get disappointed customers after uh, they, they sign up or the deal is closed. And then you have this churn of customers because they're unhappy with the product experience. This is something you see regularly, this, this problem of um, just companies trying to uh, they raised a lot of money. They're very successful, but they're unfortunately in a, in this situation where internally it's just a mess. It's chaos. So, so how can they keep a balance? Let's say because obviously sales teams they want to sell. Investors, board members want to see the sales uh, increase, and then you have on the product side or the tech side that has to say a, a bit no, or we have to to modify this or that, or that that takes too long. How how do you keep that balance between what the customer wants and how what the yeah. tech is able to do? Yeah, well, product management is this glue, right? The product managers are uh, supposed to be working with marketing, sales, customer support, the clients, engineering, the CEO and executives in order to be able to understand what are the various wants and needs of, of various departments and, and consolidate it into uh, a, a list of things that make sense for the organization and things that don't make sense for the organization. So their job is to triage in some ways and try to align uh, all these requests and basically say maybe two-thirds of these ideas are bad ideas. I, you know, the customer might have brought it, but it's still a bad idea. Why is it a bad idea? Well, you know, if the, you can't define the why, <clears throat> then it, some everyone's going to be throwing grenades at one another, basically fighting because it's my opinion versus yours. So the product manager's role is really to 
uh, try to align every single feature that's being built with the strategic mission and direction of the organization, which is where are we trying to go? Uh, and, and not where were we today, but you know, if I was Amazon and I was trying to build AWS, people would, would laugh at you saying, why are you trying to build AWS? You're an e-commerce company, right? But there's a long-term goal of basically, you know, splitting this into its own thing and having Netflix run off of it and Hulu run off of it and all this stuff. So there's a bigger vision there and somebody needs to basically own the bigger vision and make sure that things are aligned. So the solution is the roadmap. The roadmap is something that provides clarity to the organization, allows the sales team to know, well, this feature is not shipping until the next 12 months, allows the marketing team to know how, how often they need to update the website with coming soon features as well as uh, elements that are, as well as the customer support team to be able to support the customer because they know what's coming next and in which order things are going to be delivered. And that creates a motivated engineering team because they're basically going to have a, a pretty good idea of this, this quiet time to focus on things that matter and not be whiplashed by all kinds of changes all the time. And usually what happens is that the executives, so long as they're on board with this roadmap, they share the roadmap to the board. and. That roadmap usually aligns the features that are going to be uh, linked to the value that it's going to create for the organization. So let it be increased revenue or let it be increased engagement, or it could be all kinds of problems the company has in terms of efficiencies and, and expansion into different markets and countries. And all of these issues are all addressed within it. So board members are usually very happy with it. Um, we're talking about product management for the future. We we'll talk about current trends. What's what are some of the shifts that you've seen in product management in the last year or two in terms of the best best practices? Or you've been talking about also in SF, what are they doing? Or in Vancouver, what are some of the the, the trends? Where is that function evolving, evolving yeah. in the in the coming years? Yeah, we're we're seeing a lot of AI uh, and uh, data. Uh, Data plays are huge, and a lot of companies really want to bank on the data they have, the first-party data they have on customers, right? Um, and and a lot of product managers jump into, um, you know, creating artificial intelligence projects within their products. Uh, just a quick example is that when you're in Google Mail and Gmail, and you want to type an answer, uh, it actually automatically suggests what answer you should say, right? Uh, and that's the type of small increments of AI that you can put into a product in order to make the product experience better. If, if I'm typing and Google suggests this, the rest of the sentence, that actually helps me uh, and engages me more to the product. So those types of um, uh, innovations, when proposed by product teams, uh, they have a lot of value for an organization. But on the other hand, uh, those types of projects aren't very, um, uh, the, the same type of project as a typical engineering project. So when I'm working on SaaS or IoT uh, I'm, or hardware, what happens is that you, if you give yourself three months to build something and you have a number of engineers and, and you have a very limited scope and very well-defined scope, then you know that it's only a question of execution. And some things can go wrong, but it's it's never gonna not be delivered uh, so long as the engineers are working on it uh, and, and, and are motivated to basically get to the finish line. When when you're working on an AI project, <clears throat> you have a lot of things you can't control. Uh, first of all, the data. Do you have the right data set? Is that data set clean? Do you are, do you have enough of it? Um, is this trainable data? with the algorithm that I'm going to create, is it going to be accurate enough? So one of the biggest issues I see is stakeholders uh, agreeing to move forward with an AI project 
and and expecting it to work from 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 three months. Let's say we give ourselves three months to do it, and the accuracy of that AI, uh, that machine learning module, might be fifty percent, right? Uh, and then they're like, it's not accurate enough. You know, the, the suggestion that Google gave me, the Gmail module gave me, is not accurate enough. And, and then the, the, the reality is that they don't recognize that if it was a human being doing that function, manually typing in suggestions, they would make mistakes too. So the expectation is that AI is 100% accurate. AI never gets it wrong. And the reality is that AI takes time to get it right. And a product manager's role is to inform them that this is not something that we can do within three months and get it right. This is something that's going to take a long time. And we're going to try to do just a little bit better than a human the first time around, and we might fail. And the consequences of that failure is that we're going to release something that's not going to be accurate, but it's still going to add value to our customers. And if we feel that it's going to be dangerous, then we won't release it. So that's something that's changing a lot because it's no longer A to B and we're just launch it and it goes out and customers use it. It's really about, you know, we built something and it's highly inaccurate. Can it be used? Can it be augmented somehow? Does it provide value? And if it doesn't provide value, then we just waste three months basically building something that doesn't add value. So it's how do you set people's expectations with AI uh, on a roadmap? That's that's a challenge product managers have to face today. And what about the future then? What How, how do you see it? going in in two three years are we gonna be everyone's gonna understand what the impact of ai and, and all that or product managers will still need to evangelize inform in, internally the the, the uh, not, i wouldn't say the risk but like you were mentioning that ai is not something that you can you'll be able to to have a functioning model within a week or two it's going to take months and months and maybe then you'll have to plan it maybe six months 12 months a year and a half almost in advance to make sure that this feature, whenever you need it ready, well, you have to start implementing and testing it right now. Yeah, I think, I think I mean, product managers always have to convince people of why building something or the, people need to consider uh, building it. I think that it's just the arguments that they have to uh, start using to frame why AI and uh, versus uh, the alternative. Because a lot of people don't know that the alternative of AI is human. Right, so let's just put an example. I'm, 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 um, I'm basically trying to um, look at a manufacturing plant, and we're trying to do quality detection on something that's passing by. And a human being is looking at these, I don't know, ketchup bottles pass by a hundred times uh, a minute, and they need to identify the uh, the ones that are broken. Right, uh, a human has fatigue. A human will make mistakes. A human will actually uh, be demotivated. A human will uh, stop working. A human will get hit by a bus. Bringing a new human and training that person is going to take time. Uh, that human might get promoted, and now we're going to have to bring another human in. And that's a human uh, HR issue. That human might actually... Um, you know, get into a situation where it creates a legal issue within the company because he didn't, uh, his quality control wasn't good enough and now they're being sued because of that human, right? So there's a lot of issues humans have that we kind of neglect just because we're humans. And, and I think the product manager's role is to just identify what problems do humans have and be able to articulate it clearly to the rest of the organization saying this human, his accuracy level is at 50% if he's happy. It's at 40% if he's demotivated, and it's at 30% if he's tired. 
And usually a shift lasts eight hours. And this human's motivation level and happiness level and, and uh, tiredness level drops. And that usually means that at the end of the shift, he's at 20%. We have an AI who can consistently hit 40%. So why not go with an AI rather than uh, rely on the thing? The AI can't get fired. The AI can't get hit by a bus. The AI, AI won't create the same kinds of headaches and issues operationally to the organization that we have today. And the AI is not taking a parking spot outside. So overall, this is the type of explanation that product managers need to give for AI projects to move forward. And oftentimes, all we're getting stuck into today is how accurate the AI can be. Um, but let's blame humanity of its incompetence and, and see how AI can basically have a positive effect. I think that'll basically bring us far. Um, I think there's, I, I read a study that 60% of AI projects fail, and that's because of this. These arguments aren't put on the table, and somehow everybody dismisses that humans are perfect. Humans aren't perfect. We're making a lot of mistakes out there. So what should companies then do now to prepare themselves for the future? What do they have to do on their side, on their end? Well, I think that it's important for companies to start thinking about um, you know, where product management fits in their organization. Are they product-led organizations? I, I, I meet a lot of brick-and-mortar companies uh, who have a lot of data and who, who believe that they can actually go digital. Um, or I, I meet a lot of startups who don't have data but have this mentality that they can basically develop something interesting. And ultimately, it's if, if, they're, if they're seeing it without this roadmap perspective, this evolutionary perspective that you got to start with a very, very dumbed down uh, machine learning module, a very cheap one, right? Something that's not accurate, that works. But, you know, you have to basically try to work from there and make it better. And remember, there's a lot of costs associated to it. There's the engineering costs, but there's also the data costs and the training costs, and as well as the user experience you're going to create and the maintenance of it down the line. So it's not just an AI project. It's an AI product. And it has a lifespan, and that lifespan should be the same lifespan as the organization as it grows. So it's important for organizations to basically give themselves a roadmap for their AI projects and make sure that it's not just a, a laboratory experiment. And if it fails, then we're just going to say the human was better uh, because the, the potential of that AI is much higher than, uh, but if you just got to put some time into it and really understand uh, that it needs to evolve over time. We're going to start now taking questions uh, from the crowd. There's a Q&A section in the chat tab if you guys uh, want to write down. We already saw a few questions there. And for those of us following us on uh, Facebook Live, you can ask your question in the comment, and we'll be also uh, monitoring that and answering. So the first question we have here from uh, Amy Cooper, uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes startups are making when trying to grow, whether that be product management related, sales related, et cetera? I think that the biggest problem I see most companies do is that if you're going to grow your organization, a startup, there's there's three levers you can pull. The first one is your, your total addressable market, increasing the footprint inside that market. Uh, that's a very sales-driven function. Uh, there's the innovation aspect, which is your intellectual property as well as the network effects that you create, and that's very product-driven. And then there's the efficiency aspect, which is the operations. How, how you know, are you selling what you're selling for 90 cents and the customer is paying a dollar, so you're making a 10 cent profit? We often see startups selling things that cost a dollar to make for 90 cents, and that's, that's a big problem. So these three pillars need to move forward together. 
So that means a third of your time should be on increasing your addressable market. A third of your time should be about your innovation. And a third of your time should be about your internal uh, innovations, optimizing it. So this way, the cost of building things is cheaper, right? And the biggest problem I see is that most startups try to just do one of these three pillars, right? So they'll be very sales driven. And 99% of their efforts are on sales, increasing that addressable market. There's no innovation. There's no efficiencies. And they fail. Or you'll see the opposite. You'll see a company really focusing on innovation, spending all their time on intellectual properties and legal and all that stuff, but they have no sales, <laughs> right? And and they have no efficiencies and that fails them. And then you have companies who are really, I mean, it's hard to find companies who just focus on efficiencies and only efficiencies, but companies who do uh, usually will succeed because efficiencies is, is all about like, can I basically sell this product for uh, much cheaper, so this way the margin's bigger on me. So uh, I, I would suggest any company to be thinking about a third, a third, a third. And the only way to think about that is, is by having a product management function who's thinking about any given quarter in my roadmap, I need to be uh, shifting um, the focus from footprint expansion to efficiencies to innovation. There's a time for innovation, there's a time for sales, and there's a time for efficiencies. And, and it's just about like combining them within the conditions of the market, the industry, the customers, the competition. And that takes a product manager to be able to, to suggest what is the right um, percentage to put across uh, every quarter for your roadmap to move forward. So answer to the question is, don't go all in on, on just footprint expansion or efficiencies or innovation. You got to be balanced as a company for things to move forward. And uh, product manager's job is really just to make sure that uh, things are evolving in a balanced way. Perfect. Other, other question from Amardeep. Um, a new slash first product manager in a startup, should he she be working on things like product design strategy or jump onto the half-baked roadmap and start working on already existing, not so clear product strategy? Yeah, that's a good question because we, we have that situation a lot. Um, when you're jumping into a company and you realize that there is no high-level strategy and it's all inside the head of the CEO or the founders, uh, it's important to go get, go get that. But the perception it creates is that uh, people think that all you're doing is is just bothering the executives who are very, very busy and you're actually just writing down what they already know. So what's the purpose of having a product manager? And it, it really puts you in a, in a very tough situation. So uh, what I basically recommend is that as a product manager, you need to be at ground level and you need to be at 10,000 feet and you need to go able be able to go up and down at any given time. So uh, start with a project, start with a quick win, go inside the, 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 the and start working with the engineers and the designers, deliver something of value. That's very important. You should be able to show to the rest of your organization that, that you're one of the boys and you can actually deliver with them. But you also need to use the same time and, and go up 10,000 feet and start asking questions back to the founders and the CEO. Why did we deliver that feature? Why did we not deliver these other features? Because those had more value. So it's important for a product manager to get that quick win establish that foundation of credibility with customers, with internal stakeholders, but also be able to simultaneously work on the 10,000 feet strategy, tactics, and metrics. Uh, but if you were to exclusively just do one or the other, uh, if you just focus on being on the ground and shipping, then you just become uh, 
uh, project manager, just working with engineers and shipping. And if you basically just focus on being 10,000 feet, then you know, you'll get in trouble pretty fast because people are going to ask themselves what value you bring to the core and to the organization since you're kind of on this big uh, ivory tower and really not getting your feet wet. Perfect. We have a question from the Facebook. Um, what have you learned from working with startups? I guess that's a very broad question, but uh, yeah. as a company, what have you learned from working with startup as a startup? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, we've worked with a lot of startups and I find they're the, the funnest companies to work with uh, in terms of understanding new technologies. Um, I've, I've learned about various industries. I've learned about various technologies. AI was one of them. We, you know, uh, my AI knowledge came by working with a number of startups that were in AI. Um, IoT technologies, blockchain technologies. You know, there, if I constantly work with uh, SMB organizations or well-established enterprise companies, you know, your exposure to these up-and-coming technologies is is just so obvious, it just doesn't exist, right? Uh, but you get to work with a number of startups who are like in the cutting edge of these technologies, and you help them frame their roadmap. But as you're framing their roadmap, you're you're understanding their business, you're understanding their technology and understanding how they're approaching it. Uh, it's funny, it's, it's, like, it's like, you know how they say like kids know how to program a VCR, but parents can't. It's the same thing. It's like you see these startups and they're just so nimble and they're just doing things so fast. And, 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 and I think that what I've learned is just like this overall comp you know, understanding of AI, overall understanding of IoT, overall understanding of SaaS and, and, and cryptocurrency and blockchain. These are things that I would, you know, if I had just read articles and books all day long, I would have never really gotten to the, the, the understanding that I have today. So there's a great benefit of working with them. And, and it's, a, it's a benefit exchange because they also benefit a lot from the work uh, that we put in and putting the product uh, into the center of their, of their organization. Any red signs that you see when, when you come in, when a company says, hey, come in, we want to get your feedback, get your advice. Any red, red alerts or some red flags that you see when, when you come in, some words, some, yeah. some aspects of seeing the company that say, oh, okay, something's really messed up here or it's not, uh, it's not well, supposed I'm to be like that. Yeah, I mean, as a foundation, I'm always trying to help organizations, but um, I, 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 the, the self-absorbedness of the founders is something that I'm very, very concerned about. Uh, the founding team, uh, you know, you want to make, because product management is about a collaborative decision-making process. You have various stakeholders who have various objectives, sales, marketing, support, CEO, board members, uh, and it's important for, for you not to get inside this consensus where because the CEO said so, everybody agrees. And you do get organizations where it's very much led by the CEO or one of the founders who basically has decisional power over everything. And in those cases, product management doesn't make sense because it's as if like uh, there's this, you know, Moses went to the, to, the, to the mountain, came back with the 10 commandments of what makes this, this product successful and there's no way you can actually counter it, debunk it or anything like that. So. Um, you got. We're very careful about that. I mean, if you're in a startup, you're gonna get grinded a lot. You're gonna, you know, which is the name of your institution, startup grind. You will grind a lot, and you know, you will learn, and that that's a humbling experience. So, it, you know, so I, we try to make sure that the people have hit a few walls and are ready to learn, um, and that's that's the best place to come in and and 
put in a roadmap and product functions. But if we realize that the startup is just being led by someone who, who believes that they can do no wrong, it's very hard to, to bring in collaboration and uh, buy-in from stakeholders because those stakeholders are usually scared of pissing off uh, the CEO and that's, that's, a, that's not a great environment to work in anyways. We have a question from Emil. Uh, do you think the lack of product managers' presence is limited to only startups in areas like Montreal or Toronto, or do you also witness that in well, that well in established companies? I think that in established companies, there is no such thing as product managers yet. Um, you know, I, 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 if it's a company that doesn't, you know, grew up as a, you know, I'll just give you an example like Bombardier or Air Canada. I mean, those are companies that have product management roles, but I mean, that product manager isn't working on defining what the next airplane is going to look like. Uh, so there, it's, it's a completely different function. Um, and uh, a lot of that function is really, you know, hyper-focused on certain areas. And, and it's very hard to define if they are product managers or, or whatever else they are. Really. So it's, you know, I think there is a, there's a type of product manager for every uh, level of a company's evolution. So if you're, if you're a product manager in a startup, you're, you're diff doing a different role than in a scale-up. And if you're in, a, in an SMB or in an enterprise company, you're actually doing different roles. So it's, I would say that <clears throat> the product managers who are in big organizations, I wouldn't hire them in startups. I, I don't think that's a good idea. And I don't think that <clears throat> hiring people or st other startups in different industries, uh, because the term product manager is given to a lot of people without really knowing if they're doing what they're doing is product management. So my recommendation is that product management is a trainable skill set. Uh, you can hire anyone with, from any background, so long as they have a passion for engineering, a passion for business, and a passion for user experience, then you're going to have a pretty good product manager. So it's important to just invest in training them, invest in making sure it works from within your organization and the structure of your organization, because it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, type of role. It's very specific to industries and the culture of your organization. So um, I don't think it's about looking for that title. It's really about looking for people who are willing to learn and adopt the product-led thinking into their organization. Perfect. We have another question from Amy. Um, it could be hard as a startup design agency to balance everything with a small team, finances, sales, design, production, etc. In terms of sales, what is the most effective way, in your opinion, to reach more clients? <laughs> um, I don't think sales, uh, this, this is something you hear in, in Silicon Valley companies. Sales doesn't sell products. Product sells products, right? Which means that if your product has features that are valuable to customers, the product will sell itself, right? So I, 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 don't, I don't believe, Amy, that um, you, 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 you can actually make more sales if you basically just start driving your sales team harder. I think it's really about looking seriously about the features that your engineering team is shipping, asking yourselves, do they add value? Because if they added value, the customers will come to you. Um, just thinking of products like Airbnb when it launched or Uber when it launched. I mean, these were products that added so much value, you didn't even need a sales team to sell it. Uh, and I think that's the, that's, that's the role of a product manager is to eliminate the, the need for sales. Uh, and sales is still omnipresent. It needs to be there. People need to be knocking on doors. But the product should sell itself if, it's, if, the, if you know, you've made the right choices of shipping the right features. Perfect. 
I think that's the last question we have. Um, what are the biggest obstacles to developing a roadmap and adopting it in a company? Uh, the people, the, the egos, the biases, the ways of working. It's uh, you're always going to deal with a lot of white column animals inside the organization, uh, all kinds of people with uh, various instincts. And uh, as a product manager, you have to face them all. Uh, you have to deal with all kinds of personalities. And uh, the thing that you need to be most careful of is is how how your message resonates with them. So you can't just be this smart aleck, full of data, full of facts, really pissing everybody off. You really need to be able to listen and be empathetic about their situation and be able to convince them. So if a salesperson, for example, or usually tend to be very aggressive about, um, about features they want, uh, they won't listen to you unless you take the time to listen to them first. So uh, take the time to hear them out, ask the correct questions, uh, make sure that they make their point, and then just ask them, Is you know, now that I heard you, would you allow me to give you the reason why you know, my feature or the features that I'm being proposed in the roadmap are better than this. Um, and as long as you're able to deal with people uh, and um, and create this environment of trust where people uh, trust you and trust uh, the, the, the credibility that you've built uh, because you have this ear to uh, and this ability to make sure that people are felt heard. Heard doesn't mean that their feature is moving forward. Heard simply means that I hear you, brother, but unfortunately, it's not going to happen, right? So uh, people, managing people, dealing with people, this is the softer side of product management, stuff that you can't read in blogs, stuff that you can't read in books. It's stuff that you need to you know, witness and learn and learn the hard way. Uh, but on to, on, you know, unfortunately, the, the best way to do it is just go out there, make mistakes, and eventually you'll, you'll know that the best way to proceed is uh, with people is is go out and take that coffee break and and hear somebody out and and be that uh, that person who who helps others uh, express themselves throughout their days and ultimately use that uh, empathy that you've created to to push a roadmap forward. Perfect. I think the, that was it for the questions. Paul, thanks a lot for your time. Um, where can our listeners follow your insights now? Where can they find you? Absolutely. Uh, just visit our website, bankpublic.com. Uh, we publish about uh, one to two articles a month on product management. We're at about 70 articles, so there's a lot there to digest. We also have an ebook that you could just go and grab on our website. Uh, sign up to our newsletter. We basically send new articles on a, on a monthly basis. And do follow our LinkedIn page because we're constantly talking about our articles as well as other articles from other product managers. If you really want to know about product management, um, just just try to follow our LinkedIn profile. Additionally, we we translate all of our articles in French. So if you are interested in learning about product management, uh, but you're not a you know you're not a, an English reader, then all of our articles are translated. So definitely go to our website, go to the French section, and uh, there's there's a, about 40 articles there uh, for you to start from. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Paul, for your time. It's incredibly insightful.